Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Thursday, February 22nd. Coming up, there's a bitter split in the Missouri Republican Party this year, but GOP leaders aren't worried that will hurt their party's general election chances. We will keep all statewide offices Republican. We will keep the supermajority in the House and the Senate. And we are on a roll in Missouri. We'll get the pulse of Missouri Republicans. Plus, as many states rush to capitalize on carbon sequestration, two companies in Kansas are trying to build the state's first underground carbon dioxide storage sites. We'll hear what role Kansas is playing in the growing carbon capture industry that could help fight climate change. But first, some headlines. Democrats in the Missouri House of Representatives have introduced a bill that would amend the state constitution to let local governments make more gun regulations. It follows the shooting at Union Station that killed one person and injured 24. Many Democrats passionately recounted their experiences at the Super Bowl parade and rally last week during a heated debate over the resolution on Monday. Representative Patty Lewis of Jackson County was one of them. It was pure chaos, Mr. Speaker. And I know some of you don't want to dwell on Kansas City, but this replays in my mind every single day. The resolution would let cities and counties, including Kansas City and St. Louis, regulate the possession, carrying, and transfer of firearms. Missouri has some of the most permissive gun regulations in the U.S. and severely limits local governments from passing their own. The battle over a tax to fund a downtown baseball stadium is heating up with the formation of an official opposition committee. Here's KCUR's Sam Zeff. The same day the Committee Against New Royal Stadium Taxes filed with the state, the Chiefs added a half million dollars to the campaign to pass the $0.38 stadium sales tax. The pro-tax committee now has at least a million dollars in the bank after the Royals kicked in the first 500000 Opposition campaign manager Tim Smith says those who won a crossroads ballpark have an uphill fight ahead. They need all that money. They need the celebrity star power that they're probably going to try to leverage, whether it be through Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Smith suggests many people in eastern Jackson County and even downtown are opposed to the sales tax. Business owners in the Crossroads have more than 100 requests for the Kansas City Royals before they move forward with plans for a new stadium. Those demands include public safety, street closure information, and relocation assistance. The proposed ballpark would demolish several blocks of buildings. John Pryor, owner of Madison Flitch and Madison Stitch in the Crossroads, feels businesses were left in the dark. Given some of the plans, it seemed like it was a done deal, that the city and the royals and everybody involved in the project um, had agreed that this was um, a finalized plan um, without consulting the business owners and the people who would be directly affected. Pryor says the group hopes to pressure the royals into negotiating before the critical sales tax vote on April 2nd. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. 
Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Missouri Republicans are bracing for a crowded primary season and some sharp divisions over the party's future, while some GOP leaders want to see unity ahead of the general election cycle. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports that feisty intra-party battles may be part of the new normal in Republican-dominated Missouri. When Governor Mike Parson took the stage for the final time as chief executive at Missouri Republican Party Lincoln Days in Kansas City last weekend, he took some time to list out what he felt were accomplishments during his tenure. That included signing legislation that banned most abortions and passing several tax cuts. Parson wouldn't have been able to do any of these things without his party's resounding success in statewide and legislative races. But Parson alluded to how big electoral success also brings big political divisions. I'm telling you, Republicans to stay united we will, won the, we will win the governorship. We will win it. But we don't have to destroy one another to win. It's unclear whether GOP candidates for statewide and state legislative posts will take Parsons' advice. Republicans are participating in crowded and at times bitter statewide primaries, including a gubernatorial contest where Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, and Senator Bill Eigel are raising millions of dollars to potentially attack each other throughout the next few months. At a Lincoln Days candidate forum, Eigel blasted Parson and the GOP-controlled legislature for overspending and supporting a gas tax hike. All of that's going to change when we start kicking over the apple carts of the special few that have benefited from all this government spending over the past five years. The reckoning is coming, folks. It's happening in just a few months. It's not just elections. Republicans in Jefferson City have descended into bitter factionalism, with a group of more conservative lawmakers agitating against GOP leadership. Observers like St. Louis County Councilman Dennis Hancock says this is a consequence of the state having lots of legislative districts where winning the primary is tantamount to election. I look back to you know the late 90s, early 2000s, when the Republican Party was beginning to take over the state. And you had moderate, middle-of-the-road people running in primaries because you had to get elected that way and uh, attract people from both parties to get there. Not everybody at Lincoln Days is concerned about the bolstered factionalism. Michael Chance, a St. Louis County committee man, says it makes total sense that Republicans running for powerful statewide posts would try to contrast with their opponents on issues. Having healthy debates on issues is a good thing. Um, having, you know, primaries where it's simply one personal attack after another is not. With Republicans dominant in rural counties and conservative suburbs, State Representative Cherie Tolson-Reich of Hallsville says she isn't worried about GOP backsliding this fall. We are a red state, even though we have a couple of blue uh, areas, but we will keep all statewide offices Republican. We will keep the supermajority in the House and the Senate, and we are on a roll in Missouri. Republican unity could be critical for candidates like U.S. Senator Josh Hawley, who is running in what he expects to be an expensive campaign. 
He sees GOP divisions as a positive development of a growing party. I think it speaks to the depth of our bench. I mean, the Republican Party in this state is strong and getting stronger. Doesn't appear to be the same. Uh, the same doesn't appear to be true for our Democrat friends uh, in this state. So, uh, you know, I think I think it's good. Whether Republicans can move past hard feelings after the August 6th primary could be a big factor on if GOP dominance of state politics continues for another election cycle. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Two companies in Kansas are trying to build the state's first underground carbon dioxide storage sites. Proponents hope storing carbon emitted by factories or ethanol plants will fight climate change by keeping it out of the atmosphere. Kansas News Service editor Stephen Caranda and reporter Kaylin Moore review what we've learned so far. Kaylin, this idea of carbon sequestration has really become more popular. What's the proposal in Kansas and what are other states doing? So there's two proposals right now for carbon sequestration wells in central Kansas. They're both waiting for the approval by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, and both of them are ethanol plants. So they're wanting to pump CO2 into the ground instead of having it be released into the atmosphere. And this has actually been a national trend. There's a bunch of ethanol manufacturers that are really wanting to get federal tax incentives that have been increased. Is that why ethanol companies are so interested in carbon sequestration right now? It's mostly the valuable tax incentives. The biggest CO2 pipelines could stand to earn hundreds of millions of dollars, especially outside of Kansas. The Biden administration increased tax credits for companies that trap carbon underground. It also recently created a tax credit for producing low-emission fuels that starts next year. How much money is on the line for these ethanol companies? Companies could gain $85 per ton of carbon emissions captured and stored from industrial facilities and power plants. And they also could gain tax credits if they just sell their emissions to other companies that are looking for sequestration credits. Why Kansas? What is it about our state that makes this idea attractive? I spoke to Brendan Bream at the Kansas Geological Survey, and he said that Kansas could be a potential hub for carbon sequestration because parts of the states can have pores beneath the surface that would be good for this kind of use. He also said that the relatively small populations in Kansas can help these projects run into less hurdles when they're building and constructing these pipelines. And given the tax incentives, Bream thinks that more oil and gas producers could become even more interested. As long as there are tax incentives, there would be incentives for companies to do construction, whether it's pipelines or drill injector wells. Some groups are opposed to this whole process. What concerns have those opponents raised? There's over 500 organizations that have come out against carbon capture, mostly because they think these are short-term solutions. And the more focus you put on these carbon capture projects, the more federal money gets drawn away from existing practices that have just a better track record. Things like wind farms and renewable energy seem to be preferred. And sustainable farming could also capture carbon into the soil while um, decreasing the demand for fossil fuel burning. So that's why environmental groups might oppose CO2 pipelines. But what are landowners and communities in the area of the pipelines saying? There has been concerns about whether a company can lay pipe against a landowner's will, and even safety and health concerns. Like in 2020, a CO2 pipeline erupted in Mississippi. It poisoned the air and it caused people to pass out and have seizures. Farmers also worry that the pipeline construction can damage their soil so significantly that it'll cut into their crop yields. However, that being said, pipelines also could pay local property taxes that could benefit local governments and schools in rural areas. 
In some Kansas counties, oil and gas pipelines have become their biggest taxpayers, and that could be seen with carbon pipelines as well. What kind of regulations are there around these pipelines, and who would be overseeing them? Right now, carbon sequestration wells are regulated by the EPA for most states, including Kansas. There are three states that have assumed oversight over the wells, like Louisiana, North Dakota, and Wyoming. Kansas has already assumed oversight over other injection wells, like Waste Brine. Officials right now say there's no plan to assume oversight over carbon sequestration wells, though. But if the demand increases, then they say they'll be open to it. That's Kaylin Moore and Stephen Caranda of the Kansas News Service. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Madeline Fox and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Jason's story on Republican candidates in Missouri and Kaylin's story on carbon sequestration, visit kcur.org, where you can find more Kansas and Missouri news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the Starris Institute.